You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Good morning. It's great to see all of you out. Those of you that are guests that came from last night, we certainly welcome you back to this place. This is, this is where the real thing happens. We had a great time last night serving you and serving each other, and today we come to worship together, and it's exciting to be here. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Acts, the book of Acts, the third chapter, as we come to week three of our series, Full Disclosure. Now, one of the things that we do at Fall Festival is we have a chili cook-off, and this year there were over 20 contestants. It's really cool to see how that thing has grown, and there are many in the room today who are just sitting on the edge of their seat waiting to see who gets the beloved prizes, all right? So let me just start with the most unique chili, the most most unique chili. Um, I didn't get to taste his chili, but we always try to find a unique gift to go with the unique chili. And, and I was at Walmart the other day, and I saw this <laughs> llama here. So Scott Gillis, congratulations on the most unique. What's this? Man, you got like a fan club or something. <clears throat> wow. Have to give him a prize every week. That's exciting. The uh, spiciest, I don't see him in the room today, but, you know, it's always between Terry Jellison and Robert Browning. And this year it's back to Robert. And so I got Robert to pass out any of you that had his chili. Here are some cooling pads for you and some uh, anti-diarrhea medicine. We always have that. And so since he's not here to distribute that, I'll just leave them right here. And you can come and get those. And finally, finally, there's going to be a great, great sigh of disappointment with this one. But this is the best flavor, and we always give away a very nice $6 Oneida serving spoon to the the best flavor. And that goes to Mr. Graham Jones this year. So, David, I'm going to let you present it since you, uh, you were really hoping for that. So just let him touch it. Yeah. Back to back. So go sit down. <clears throat> now, there's uh, not a category for me to choose, so I created one this year. Um, I thought the most unique would surely go to the squirrel chili. And anybody have the squirrel chili out there? I mean, it had the bones and everything in it. It was really, really, really good. And so I thought, what can I get for Lynn Haven, who created that? Because it was. It was delicious. It was amazing. And it, what was more fun was to listen to you all come up to the chili and say, I remember when Ma used to fix me squirrel and biscuits and gravy for breakfast. I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Lynn, ammunition is so expensive. I got you two 22 caliber bullets right here. <laughs> John, no, no, sit down. Yeah, no, so, you know, one is in case you try, and then the second's in case you miss. And then I was on my way here this morning, and uh, I, this happens every once in a while, but uh, it happens every once in a while, but, but I got a squirrel on the way here this morning. So, <clears throat> so... Hey, he's still warm, so he's good to go. That that sucker, it does have tire tracks, man. It's just 
already tenderized for you, but uh, yeah, oh, you, you guys hit squirrels too, so. Hey, this week, <laughs> this week in Acts chapter three, we come to full disclosure about the subject of our, of our purpose. Of our, boy, you guys are not gonna settle down. Sarah says this is the when you need to just say the end and be done. This weekend, I want to talk to you a little bit about what it is to be purposed, right? So many times in our life, from a young age, and even when we get into our 70s and 80s, we, we ask this, this question of ourselves, why, why am I here? Uh, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Now, the answer to both of those questions are going to influence us significantly how, how we view ourselves that's going to influence how we have relationship with other people and it's certainly going to influence our work in God's kingdom because that's part of what we were created to do now if you believe that you're here by some impersonal evolutionary process that life is just an accident well then then you're right there's no purpose for you at all but the reality is is that that is not the case you were created by a God the God of the universe the God of the Bible who loves you who fashioned you after his own image who loves you so much that he came that you could have a personal relationship with him so much so that he even allows his spirit to reside in your body until the day that he comes for you or you go to him that's how significant you are god said at the very beginning let us make man speaking of man and woman let us make man in our image father son and holy spirit in our likeness and let them rule over the sea let them rule over the birds of the air over the livestock including squirrels over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground psalm 139 then comes back if you ever wonder how much you matter to god look to psalm 139 and be reminded that before you were in your mother's womb god saw you he knew you he formed you every bit of you even the things that look like they're the result of an accident or sin you were created a certain way for a definite specific purpose and he wrote down every day in your life before one of those days was lived out by you or is being lived out and that has great great significant impact on who we are and what our purpose is because he captured it all and then he's come to walk along beside of you as you live that out now there are certainly times though when we question our identity and our purpose just what on earth we're here about and so the Bible gives us this direction the Bible says come let us bow down in worship let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture the flock under his care what does that mean it means that our purpose is fully identified and can only be fully known when we surrender to the one who thought of us, planned us, chose us, 
perfectly and uniquely created us, and then wants you with him for all eternity. Now, in Acts chapter 3, in Acts chapter 3, Jesus affirms this reality through an event that occurred in the lives of two men, one of which you're very familiar with, the second you will be today, Paul and si or, uh, Peter and John, excuse me, Peter and John, two men who fully committed themselves to God and his purpose. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, one of the things you need to know is that hundreds of people did this every day, not just Saturday, not Sunday, not Wednesday night, but every day about 3 o'clock in the afternoon they would go for their time of prayer. A man who was lame from birth, and we've talked about this before, people who were born with issues in their life, this person could not walk, he was lame, he was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to do what? He, he didn't get a little pass card to go to Walmarts with, he had to sit and he had to beg. He had to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, Peter and John had been learning, right? This is after Christ has resurrected. This is after Christ has ascended. They have spent two, three years with Jesus, and they had been learning from him. They had learned to look deeper at people, deeper than the surface level need. And that's what they did with this man. In fact, as he asked them for some gold and silver coins, what he did for everyone every day, they stopped and they looked the man in the eye. And they said to him, look, look at me. This man, they knew, needed purpose. He needed hope. And that's exactly what they had discovered in Jesus. So they looked him in the eye and look at verse 6. I don't have any cash, they said. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, the Messiah of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Now, Peter grabs the guy by the hand, verse 8 says, and helps him up. And that man immediately leapt to his feet. Now, some of you have been in the hospital for two or three weeks, right? And you've been confined to the bed for whatever type of illness. And you know what that's like. You know what that's like? Your legs lose all of their, their strength. You know that when you get up, you, some of you have had to learn how to walk all over again. It's so great to have Phyllis Mullins with us this morning after hip surgery several months ago, it seems like. But she has struggled because there was some damage that occurred during that, and she can't feel her foot. She has toe drop and other things that make it hard for her to walk. But I'm so glad that she's here. But, but you know what I'm saying? When you get back up for the first time, well, this guy, Peter helps him up, and he starts to run around like crazy. In fact, he starts dancing. He, he starts doing the Tootsie Slide by Drake, right? And he posts it as a TikTok, right? And it's all over the place. Verse 10 says that when the people saw this man, who couldn't walk when, when it hit their feed line on Facebook, still running around, it says pandemonium broke out. And huge crowds came to gather as Peter preached then a passion-filled, history-filled, hope-filled message on the front porch of the temple. And as we talked last week with Paul and Silas's situation, what happened? It stirred up such an uproar 
that they were called in before the religious leaders. In fact, they were placed in jail overnight. And in chapter 4, verse 7, they asked Peter and John, by what power or what name did you do this? What did you do to heal this man? And Peter answered them that it was in the name of Jesus and by his power that this man was healed. And then he gave him the full load about who Jesus Christ is. It's a great message. You ought to read it later. But I want you to check out their reaction in verse 13 because this is what I'm getting at today. It says, when they saw the courage, they, when the religious leaders, when the magistrate, when the people around them saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were just normal, ordinary men, they were astonished, it said. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. And my friends... There's no other explanation. There should be no other explanation in our lives to have that kind of passion, that kind of exuberance, that kind of excitement, that kind of risk-taking, that kind of courage for every one of us who are born-again believers in Jesus. There was no other explanation for their life, their identity, and their purpose. And so three things this morning I want to give you. First is this. My life, your life, is to be an acknowledgement of God's authority and presence. When people see you, when people hear you, when people walk up to you, or when you walk up to them, it should be obvious who you belong to. Not obvious by bumper stickers or golden crosses around your neck. All of those things have been diluted by the world. They should be, it should be obvious to them by your love and by your exuberance, right? By the way that you've gotten up even when you feel like staying down. They had surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. And verse 8 says they were filled with the Spirit. It was God's Spirit that brought about this change, just the same Spirit that brings about that change in you. I want you to notice Peter and John's life at this point. How did they become so purposed? How did they see their purpose, that they would see this man as a divine appointment that day? that they should stop and that they should meet his name. Well, first, their devotion was daily, not weekly. Their devotion to God was every day, not just on certain days, not just at certain hours, but every day they spent time with God praying and meeting with him, right? It's how the chapter begins. They were on their way to the temple at the time of prayer. Every day, 3 o'clock, there they were. Jesus said the greatest command that we have as God's created and God's loved is what? To love him. To love him with everything. Our heart, the very soul of our being that we've talked about. Our mind, our our thoughts, right? Our strength, our physical actions. When we love someone, we spend time with them. When we love someone, we engage them on every level. When we love someone, we follow through with our commitments. When we love someone, our strength and our actions, everything about us, we surrender to that person. And so when Peter and John saw this man, they saw this, 
because they were devoted daily, not weekly. And in that devotion, they saw this was a divine appointment. Second, so, so let me ask you, how have you, how have you been determining your purpose so far? How have you been determining your purpose? Is it based on, is it based on what a, a noble career would be? Right? We need nurses right now. We need physicians, Christian nurses and physicians. We need missionaries. We, we need preachers. We need preachers. Is it, is it by your parents grooming you, saying, hey, I did this in life. Why, why don't you do this? How is it? How is it that you've been determining your purpose? See, the issue is, is if it's separate from your daily devotion to God, right, I suggest to you that you really haven't discovered your purpose yet. And those of you who think you are, it's why, it's why so often you, you go back to the drawing point again. You say, what is my purpose? Why am I, why am I here? Uh, let me tell you how this works. How do you engage the opportunities all around you to be the you that God created you to be? Well, first, by being present. By being present in worship every week. And people say, oh, I can worship at home. No, that's not what God says. God says you're to be present with other people. You're to be encouraging them. They encourage you. So just follow me with this. You're to be present in worship this week. You're to hang around and encourage people before and after the gathering. You, you can't come in, and I know it's intimidating at first, and God bless you for having the courage to come in out of the parking lot. Now I plead with you. I plead with you. Say hi to one other person before you leave. Tell them how terrible the sermon was. or <laughs> Right? Just how, how you can't believe they had a squirrel in the church. There's a song about that. Luckily, this one wasn't moving. We'd be in trouble. But stick around. You say, hey, what's that have to do with finding my purpose? Check out a small group. See a void, right? The need for a greeter. Someone to help you help someone else to their seat. You know, we have that need now. We need people to help get people in and push some of you aisle sitters over. Make room, right? That's how you discover your purpose. You, you help set up or you tear down at fall festival. I mean, I wish we had the time right now to have a testimony, right? Ben, I, sorry, this just come to my mind. You, you're sitting right down there. You're one of the best-looking guys in the front row. We need more good-looking guys up front, obviously, if he's the best, right? <laughs> sorry, man. He really is. He is the best. But, but let me just give you an example. I mean, he hasn't been here a year yet. He surrendered his life to Jesus Christ in baptism. Where do you see Ben every, every opportunity? Where do you see Ben? You see him right here. Not in the back. Not hanging out in the lobby. You see him on the second road. You see him walk in late. Yeah. Was he here late? No, he was here 45 minutes, an hour before the service so that he could be out at the door where he knows more names than Bigelow does. <laughs> and Bigelow's on staff. Ben understands, and if it hasn't yet been revealed to him, he will understand as he continues to be present, to see needs and meet them, 
to be part of a small group. And Ben, thank you for being the last one to leave the property last night. He never lets one of us preachers stay alone when we're the last ones out. This is where you discover your gifts and your passions and you find real purpose. Now, I, I'll be glad to talk to you one-on-one -on -one after the service and, and tell you this. I'm not a very impressive person by any means, but I've never applied for a job in my life, including this one. God has given me every opportunity that I've ever had and I've had some grand opportunities in my life that I was not worthy of this being one of them because I did three things. Number one, I devoted myself to him. Devote yourself to him. Devote yourself to him. Live devoted. Live like you gave yourself to him. Stop taking yourself back and doing what you want to do. Do what he wants you to do the way that he wants you to do it. And then engage the opportunity right in front of you. Right in front of you. I don't know what to do. Well, you show up here, you arrive early, and you stay late, and you fill any void that you see in front of you, and you will know. You will know what to do. But doing this requires what? trusting him and taking him at his word. When he says you align yourself with me and I'll make sure that your needs are met, where does he say that? John, uh, Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. Devoting yourself to God requires risk-taking and trust and taking him at his word. Can you imagine the risk that these two guys took? They had been with Jesus up until now, he had done all the healing, right? He had been the one you ever with that person, right? You're, you're in a group, and there's always that one person that kind of steps out and does what you wish that you had done. And now it was up to them. They walk up to this guy. Now, that, that doesn't take a whole lot. There's no risk in that uh, other than the guy would ask them for some money. But they knew that because they saw him there every day. But they took a risk, and they said... What I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, right? Get up and walk. I mean, what, what happens if you don't do like the TV guys do and have people lined up in advance that when you thump them on the head, you got a catcher and they fall down and they wake up and they're all great again? This wasn't a setup. This was the real deal. They took a risk. What if the guy couldn't get up? What were they going to do? But Peter and John... They took God at his word, and they trusted him completely. And, and here's the reality. Th this should have been the main point in this section. There are some commands. There are some commands in God's word that you just have to be obedient to before you truly understand them. You do. You can't wait and do it reverse. You have to go ahead and take a risk. You have to go ahead and trust, and you have to be obedient. Be obedient to him. Tithing's one of them. 
right? I, I'll never be able to convince people of the thousands of dollars that people give, that we've given over the years. <laughs> and to have that replenished just like that. It's not why we do it, but it's the promise of God. Tithing requires that. It's a command, and until you walk in that command, you'll never understand it. Worshiping God alone, saying, hey, I I'm going to be in your word instead of on that TV. Uh, I'm going to make Wednesday night a priority, and I'm going to tell my coach with my parents there with me that I love being on the team, but Wednesday night belongs to God, and I'll be there Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And if you want me to play, great. If you don't, it's okay. Can you imagine that kind of risk? There's a risk involved in forgiving someone. Man, I hate forgiving people. I want to hold on to it. It makes me feel so much better. No, it doesn't. But there's a risk, right? You forgive them and they just kind of like, okay, so what, right? Care less. Their actions, Peter and John, drew people to an encounter with Christ. They took God at his word, they trusted him completely, and then their actions drew people to an encounter with Christ. Now, obviously, the beggar was drawn to, drawn to Christ. That, that was a one-on-one -on -one thing. He used his first steps to walk inside the temple courts where verse 8 of chapter 3 says he was walking and jumping and doing what? Praising God for it. And pandemonium broke out. But because Peter and John understood their purpose was to be fully devoted daily, to be willing to risk and place all their trust in what Jesus had shown them and promised they could do in his name, thousands were exposed. In fact, it says there that 2,000 more were saved and added to the number of the church. You see, my purpose, your purpose in life isn't to be a consumer of all that God has done. Not to be a consumer, but to be a humble acknowledgement of what he has done and is doing. Peter and John, why do you stare at us if it was by our own power? No, this is all God. Peter and John were connected daily. They were experiencing God at work through their daily life. They stepped out in faith and took risks. And notice their purpose was unchanged by threatening circumstances. They saw their purpose and they would not be directed another way. Their purpose was unchanged. They're not only drawing a crowd, but they were drawing a lynch mob, right? Same issue that Paul and Silas ran up against. The same group of leaders who put Jesus to death were after these guys, yet their message didn't change. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, what? Get up and walk. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. Well, in chapter 4, it escalates even more. Verse 18, the leaders call the apostles back in. They command them to never speak again in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John replied in verse 18, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We can't stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. We can't stop. 
And that's the third piece of this. My purpose is to always be obedient to his commands. That's my purpose, is to always be obedient to his commands and seek to glorify him. <coughs> you see, this was one of those, this is one of those times where Peter and John had to answer the question, will we be obedient to God? Will we bring glory to him? Will we let him continue the transformation that he began in us, or will we fold? Will we step back? And as the crowd of people stood amazed, Peter set the record straight when he said, why do you stare at us, right? It's in the name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing. We're to embrace what God's doing in and around us every day with trust and humility. First few years of my preaching ministry, I would stand at the door as everyone left. There were just a few people here back then. And so I would walk out, I'd stand at the door, and these very kind and loving people, this is my first preaching ministry, hopefully it's the only one that God will have me until I fade away and the young guys take over. But I'd go back and I'd stand at the door and people would walk up and they would do what they do for us young guys. They'd say, oh, you did such a great job today, right? That, that was such a, such a, such a powerful message. And I would do what young, dumb guys do, trying to be humble. I would say, oh, it really wasn't, right? I, I wish I had done better. And they, they'd just kind of look at me and walk off. And, and finally, finally, this really wise man who taught me a lot of things during his short time here, he said to me, he said, you know, when you tell people that, I know what you're trying to do, but what you're saying is that their opinion uh, is pretty invaluable, right? That the, They must not know what's good. Uh, and, and so I stopped doing that, right? I, I stopped saying those dumb things. But my purpose, listen, is much more than that. I have to embrace that God created me, gifted me, purposed me to point the world to him. You see, when it comes down to it, any good thing that you and I do, any good thing that comes from something that I do is because of him, right? We're a reflection of him. I'm second chair. He's in the driver's seat. He's the one that's good. I'm his servant. That's what it is to humble yourself in his presence, to listen to what he has to say, do what he says, and then praise him that he was kind enough to include you in whatever it was that he's doing. I just realized that I skipped a page or jumped ahead a page. So you guys that are following your outlines, you'll meet me out back there. <laughs> but uh, that is the first time in 15 years that I have gotten my pages out of order. Yeah, amen, let's finish. Yeah. Yeah. I feel sorry for Tom back there on the, on the slides, right? Right, well, I have no idea where I'm at. All right. God's in control. Where are we at in the bulletin? Anybody, anybody keeping up with me? Huh? Okay. I didn't tell you your purpose. I thought I just said that. The purpose was unchanged by threatening circumstances? All right. Good. Good. There we go. We're back on track. Boy, I'm so embarrassed, but that's good. 
Thank you. Thank you. It was, uh, it was really all about squirrel this morning. That was the best I had to offer. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. The next point is uh, my purpose is to always be obedient to his commands and seek to glorify him. I swear I said that. Yeah, I did say that. All right. So I don't know what I have left to say. But here's, yeah, just wing it. Here it goes. All right. So here's, here's, so here's what happens, right? They, they go out, they preach this message, they get called in. And they say, you must have been with Jesus Christ. There's no greater, no greater compliment to your life. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, there's no greater compliment for someone to say, man, I can see Jesus all over you. You know, and so our responsibility is to, is to live that way, but to do it humbly, to do it humbly and always point to him, not in false humility, of saying, oh, it really wasn't that good. But to say, everything that you see here, it's because of him. I, I, I can't do it. And, and if you can say that you can do everything, well, then, then bless your heart. You haven't stretched yourself very much because you need to step out of your comfort zone if you're going to discover that. Well, verse 21 says, after further threats, they let Peter and John go and it says upon their release in verse 23 peter and john went back to the believers in the church and you know what happened they worshiped like they had never worshiped before right it encourages the people around us when we understand our purpose and their purpose was what in that moment to encourage peter and john to say, hey, way to go, just like you guys did a minute ago when I lost my place. You're like, keep going, right? Way to go, way to go. It says in verse 24, the church raised their voices together in prayer, acknowledging God as their creator. They celebrated his goodness. They renewed their commitment. And verse 31 says, after they prayed, the place that they were meeting, what? It shook. It shook. Same thing that happened two weeks ago. And what happens? What happens when things shake? They get broken free. They get made loosed. And those people in that room that had watched Peter and John, you think they came one step closer to their purpose? I'd say they did. One step closer to aligning themselves and taking the next risk and, and doing what God had made them to do. Romans chapter 12 in the message version summarizes our purpose this way. I should have just stuck with this. And it says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, it concludes it all, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Why? Because embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Readily understand and recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Not tomorrow, not next year, but right now. The opportunity right in front of you. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. 
God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Peter and John, how did they meet Jesus? Do you remember? Peter and John, they were doing what in Matthew chapter 14? They were cleaning their nets, right? They, they had been out fishing. They were cleaning their nets. What's Jesus do? He takes them right back out, and he shows them what life can be like with him. And then he said to them what? Come and follow me. Come and follow me. But that's not where he finished. He said, come and follow me, and I will make you into something. I've got a purpose for you. Yes, that's right, from one of our fishers back there. Fishers of men, right? I've got a purpose for you, and following me, you're going to discover your purpose. You'll discover life. Now, when someone, when my two daughters who are in the room with me today, especially my two girls, when they want to know their purpose, when they want to know why they're here, what they're here for, my response, my response is always the answer that you're looking for is found in one place, one person only, and it's in Jesus Christ. And I praise God that on their own, each one of them has chosen or has chosen in the past to take that first step, that first step of being baptized, of saying, I believe Jesus Christ, the living God, and I accept him as Savior. And from that point, every day, they're discovering a little bit more about their purpose, about the reason why they're here, by making him Lord of their life. Every move. Do I wait to date till I'm 16 because mom and dad said so? Yes, because he's Lord of my life. Do I choose very wisely who I let sit at my table? Absolutely, because who sits at my table influences me, and he's the Lord of my life. The invitation's open for you to do the same. Jesus said, come and follow me. I'll make you into something. For some of you, that has already started. For some of you, you already have his spirit inside of you, and you just need to know that your responsibility is to take risks and line yourself up with his commands and to live daily devoted to him. Others of you haven't taken that first step and surrendered your life to him in baptism, and, and you're powerless you're powerless to find your purpose without his spirit inside of you. The opportunity for both is before you now. Come as we sing. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we praise you as our creator, our sustainer, and certainly as our king today. God, it doesn't take much to realize how much you love us. You've given us everything. And so we bow at your feet today in complete surrender. Will you take our everyday lives, our extravagant lives, our ordinary lives, and use them for your glory? Will you take our talents and our time and our resources and our families and our jobs, all that you've given us, Lord, and use those 
we acknowledge that you'll use it all. And while you're at it, you'll transform us inside out. And so give us the courage, Lord, to embrace the purpose that's ours through Jesus Christ. Here we stand, arms wide open to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.